the Hawks have found a sense of chemistry. This was like a great experience. I mean, not only for me, but I know for my teammates. I mean, we have a lot of new guys, so being able to be in a different part of the world and being able to build chemistry with each other was, was, has been fun. Welcome to the Hawks Report, the new podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that gives you the stories behind the score. So I'm your host, Lauren Williams, the new beat reporter here at the AJC. And the Hawks have gotten a chance to play two exhibition games already. And we've gotten a chance to see what they'll actually look like against teams that aren't the Hawks. And so we'll get a, get a chance to get into those games today and answer your questions, as well as get a chance to hear from Bill Shoning, who's the play-by-play voice of the San Antonio Spurs. And he'll be able to give us a little bit of insight into DeJounte Murray and what Hawks fans can kind of expect from him. So before we get into all of that, though, we've got to do a little bit of some house cleaning. Uh, If this is your first time listening to the Hawks report, I encourage you all to subscribe, share, and, um, you know, listen wherever it is that you guys get your podcasts, whether that's Spotify or Apple or the multitude of podcast sources that are out there. So this is the Hawks report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. All right. Welcome back to the Hawks report. As I mentioned earlier in the show, we're going to get a chance to get into those first two preseason games that we got a chance to watch versus the Milwaukee Bucks. And I have to say, I was pretty impressed uh, with what the Hawks came out with in those first games. What did you think, producer Daniel Salerson? Yeah, I agree. I think especially in that first game when you saw, you know, a lot of the rotation players getting meaningful minutes and playing with one another, I thought the chemistry was a lot better than probably I anticipated for game number one, traveling overseas, a new star player in the fold. Um, All those combined, it looked like they've been playing with each other for for years. And I so I think if, if that's the case, and again, the one thing that I try to balance is it's preseason versus what to kind of expect. But at the same time, the Bucks were playing basketball, too. They had a lot of their guys in. Giannis didn't play in game two. He played in game one. And so when you're playing against guys like Milwaukee, I think it's a good first test. And so I feel like they, they passed the test from my point of view. Um, really encouraged by what I saw over uh, the two games. Absolutely. And I think what was very heartening for me is that a lot of the worry about whether Trey and DeJounte 
can coexist in the backcourt together was put to rest a bit. I think, you know, when I got a chance to talk to Jalen Johnson while we were watching the game last week at the Hawks practice facility, he kind of put it best is that, you know, the Warriors shouldn't necessarily have been there because these guys are both professionals. They've both been doing this for a very long time. They've both had to readjust to new teammates, new schemes, moving off the ball versus playing with the ball. You know, it's it's kind of second nature for them to have to adjust on the fly. So it shouldn't have come as much of a surprise that they would have been able to coexist together. But I was very heartened to see that both, you know, Trey was, you know, able to kind of just really embrace that off ball role. And I think we saw a lot of really good things from it, including, you know, with Trey being in the corner, you know, John Collins setting the pick and roll and and DeJounte Murray kind of setting up John for that really, really good dunk at the beginning of the game was a really good indicator that these guys will be able to make really good things happen as the season progresses. And we saw it again with Trey having the ball in his hands, DeJounte kind of out on the wing. And then instead of it being John Collins, we had Clint Capella setting the pick and then moving in to the post to get that dunk. So I just feel like there are a lot of really solid pieces moving. And I'm really impressed with how the starters did, especially DeAndre Hunter. I mean, I feel like sometimes he kind of gets put to the back burner a little bit sometimes, but he... He looks like he just picked things up and it wasn't even a beat that he missed. I mean, there he just he looked solid handling the ball. He looked great knocking down threes. And I believe he had 17 points in the second game or no, 21 points in the second game, 17 points in the first game. So he he looked really great offensively. And I mean, I think for me, too, what I was heartened to see is that defensively, these guys looked really engaged. They looked, you know, really uh, solid in terms of sticking with guys. Obviously, there's still a lot of room for improvement because they allowed the Bucks to shoot over 50% from the floor at the beginning of the game. But I think with more adjustments, more communication, more chemistry that builds as the season goes on, I think we'll see a lot of a lot less of those missteps. I mean, what what did you what did you think? Yeah, I think the defense will take some time. I think in any training camp or any team trying to flip the switch a little bit and realize, okay, we got to play defense. It's going to be a little bit of an adjustment. Um, You know, Dejounte Murray really doesn't have tons of adjustments to make on that side of the ball, but. I don't think you really have to worry about scoring when you when you talk about, you know, what they were able to do, because if you look at their potential starting lineup with Murray and Young and Capella and Collins, you put Bogdanovich in the Mitch, but also that means Hunter, the Holiday Brothers. I'm like, you're, you're talking about, and I'm sure I'm forgetting people, Jalen Johnson, that I don't think so scoring is going to be the issue as long as the unselfishness is there, which I think if you're Murray and you're coming from a Greg Popovich team, you really didn't have a lot of choice but to be unselfish when it comes to playing with his with his guy with his team so um if if hunter can play like that i think the hawks are going to be in some better shape but yeah the defense is where they're going to have to hone in and and that's going to take training camp practices it's going to take more preseason games and it's going to take also some regular season games i think there's some goals in place but expectations have to be i think a little lower uh than what people expect as far as defense until they can get adjusted to playing with one another but overall um, for the first couple of games, and that being one of the main goals, I thought they handled it pretty well. I think, too, one of the things, if you're thinking about 
things that they can try to address as soon as possible that won't necessarily take time is how they handle rebounding. One thing Nate McMillan said after that first preseason game was that he wanted the guards to kind of get in on the rebounding action. And I mean, I think that's kind of a given with Murray, who averaged, who almost had a triple double on 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 uh, Thursday, but who who is a guy who can get triple doubles almost every night. But I think it's it's something that Trey Young will have to kind of embrace a little bit more is contesting for rebounds a bit more or Aaron Holiday will have to kind of step up on that plate. And I think we can expect Bogey to kind of be in the mix with that, you know, contesting for rebounds and, and getting getting those second chance opportunities. I think the Bucks outscored them on second chance points like 15 to 6 on Thursday. And it didn't get much better on Saturday in that second preseason game. And and so it's just kind of one of those things where you have to expect these guys to to get those second chance opportunities. And that might be a little bit more of a, a task for Onyeka Okongu and Clint Capella. And I think that's why Nate has kind of tasked the guards with, you know, being being that helping hand and and it being a, a rebounding by committee mindset if if you will but uh just really really quick uh i have my twitter up and it looks like shams charania from the athletic and stadium reported that the hawks have made calls of for for jay crowder i mean that i mean talk about throwing a loop into the chemistry that you guys have been building over the last couple of weeks if you go out and get a guy like jay i mean again these guys are professionals but you have to wonder, you know, is this, I guess if you're going to do it, now is the time to do it, <laughs> you know, before the actual season begins. Yeah, that's a, it's an interesting thing to hear But as someone who came from New Orleans and dealt with Jake Crowder in the first round of the playoffs with the Phoenix Suns. I mean, Jake Crowder is that guy on defense. I mean, he's a guy that he's a leader by example. And I feel like if you have that kind of personality too, that's also someone in the locker room, I feel like they can also transform one and being that veteran presence you're relying on two young guards and Trey and DeJounte and not saying they're young as in like they're rookies and babies and can't lead a team because those two combined feel DeJounte is ready to take that step and so is Trey but you have another ear in uh, in the locker room you have someone else that's been through gosh I mean there was a stretch that I think he's played in four straight finals or conference finals like he's He's been through it all, and if the Hawks are ready to take that leap and feel like they can, then why not a guy like Jay Crowder to really come in and kind of, you know, he might not play a ton of minutes, but maybe it's that guy in the locker room, that guy that can come in and give a hard foul to the other team if he's they're messing with one of the guys on, on his side. So um, I think there's more to it than just the numbers for Jay. I think that's more of a off-the-court guy to pick up more than an on-the-court guy, but he can help on the court too. He's just He's been in the league for a long time. Agreed. I think he's kind of like that JaVale McGee guy who may move from team to team to team, but the amount of playoff experience that he has is just astounding. I mean, he hasn't missed the playoffs, you know, since, yeah, he hasn't missed the playoffs since he's come into the league. I mean, he, his first season was 2012, 2013 with Dallas, and he's been to the playoffs pretty much every season since. Uh, so that's the kind of guy that you definitely want to have in your locker room. But now that begs the question of who do they move around to make that happen? Because one, he's not exactly, I don't think he's going to come cheap. 
And two, I mean, does that mean that Clint is out? Does that mean that John is out? I mean, is he playing backup minutes behind John? I mean, what's the expectation there? That's there's so many questions that come with bringing this guy in. And I mean, somebody somebody's going to have to step aside to make that happen. I guess. Does that mean that they take a step back with Jalen Johnson getting minutes? I mean, I know that's been a huge question for that. I mean, obviously that means that Frank Kaminsky might likely be out because you don't really need, if you decide to say, keep John Collins, Clint Capella, Onyeka Okwangu, Jalen Johnson, all in that kind of switching between center power forward role, well, you don't really need Frank now because it's kind of a redundancy. Can Jay play a little bit of the three or is he or is that too much for him as far as defensively take? I mean, those are probably the most athletic guys on the on the team sometimes playing the three, but he may be able to play a couple minutes at the three. But I think you're right as far as I think Kaminsky has got to be your odd man out here as far as the rotations. And maybe that's a guy that I mean, Kaminsky played for Phoenix last year. And so maybe that's a guy they bring back in a trade. There's no Mo Harkless to trade anymore, so you can't, you can't trade Mo Harkless in another trade. He's been traded too many times. I think he's hit his, his cap as far as that's concerned. But um, yeah, I think that'll be interesting to see who they give up and and where he fits. But again, also, it could be where maybe Jay doesn't get a lot of minutes right now. It might be, again, a veteran locker room presence that can help guide the team uh, whenever they need him. So I, I think there's a lot of questions to that if it's the case, but uh, something that could be interesting if it happens. Yeah, I mean, you bring up an interesting point about Jay playing the three. He he played a lot of those minutes early in his career and has kind of shifted toward the four with Phoenix and Miami. But again, I mean, if you have him playing the three, that means that maybe that's less minutes for a guy like Justin Holiday, um, just because Jay Crowder is a guy who's a little bit more, uh, I think, accurate when it comes to, you know, taking shots from outside. He's a well, actually, just kidding. <laughs> I just double checked that he's 33, 34% shooter over the course of his career. But he does that at, at a higher volume clip than than Justin Holiday, who might be uh, what a 33. Let's double check this really quickly. While you're double checking that, I think also one thing is, I mean, teams deal with injuries. And we've seen yes. it that if you have injuries and you don't have depth, then where do you go to? And yeah. I talked about it earlier as far as what could happen. That's the maybe the the ability of Jay, who can pay a little bit of three, can play some four mm-hmm. as well, and be in the front court um, at times that if there is yeah. an injury, he can plug in minutes here. He can plug in minutes there. So maybe it's not Jay getting minutes right away, but it's more of a, I'm here if you're giving a guy a day off, or I'm here to be that guy in practice, that bulldog in practice to really test some guys. And then come game time, look, he's there if he's needed. Um, I think that's mm-hmm. what Nate McMillan has to decide. But I think there there could be a chance that maybe it is Jay not being a guy that takes a ton of minutes away from someone, but also is there when some guy has to miss a week with an injury. Or you can afford till the guy sit a couple extra games because you know you have Jay Crowder in the fold to put in if need be. For sure. So to answer my question about uh, Justin Holiday, he's a 36% career shooter on about attempts per game. But I mean, considering, you know, Jay is a higher volume shooter. I don't know if that's something that the Hawks might put more of a premium on, but I think what they'll have to answer is because they're, I believe they're in the luxury tax and 
consistently so with, you know, such big contracts from John and Bogey and, and Trey and obviously Onyeka and Jalen's options have been um, picked up, but they're going to want to have, you know, that money after one putting in their time, but, you know, they want, they'll want to get paid. And then also they have to pay DeAndre or maybe getting Jays to sign that DeAndre is out after this season and and they'll just see how things go. But either way, I, it's, it's kind of tough for me to, to see how that will all play out, but not to get too far sidetracked by things that aren't uh, confirmed or uh, decided on yet. Uh, you know, you definitely want to go back to talking about those Abu Dhabi games. Sorry for, you know, taking the conversation left from Hawks preseason play, but it's just interesting to see that come up on Twitter as we were, we're going through the preseason play. But as you mentioned, Jay is that defensive guy who could maybe be that additional piece that they need. So time will tell, but to kind of segue back to, to preseason play, I think, Again, just going back, I was very heartened to see how much Trey and DeJounte kind of clicked, how DeAndre didn't seem to to miss a beat. And and I think, too, John Collins looked like John Collins again. Um, he's still he's still I think he's still kind of figuring out how much he'll fit into that offense and how much he can be that perfect pairing with DeJounte and Trey. But. I mean, I think his athleticism is still there. It didn't seem like his finger was affecting his shooting at all. Um, I mean, after that first game, he he said that it didn't seem like an issue. So I think if if he's healthy moving into this season, he could be another really solid factor for this Hawks team. But uh, before we get <laughs> too d- deep down the rabbit hole, we're going to do a little bit more house cleaning again. And, uh, you know, this is the Hawks report from the Atlanta journal constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona beach will actually get you there. Beach on plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I want to take this time again to thank everyone who has subscribed to the AJC and AJC.com. Uh, you know, it's it's what makes all of this possible. So if you aren't a subscriber, you can subscribe at subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. And your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. So you always know what's really going on. You know, we've talked a lot about how DeJounte and Trey will kind of fit together. But I think we can get a very unique perspective on DeJounte, the player, especially learning about what it was like for him kind of navigating what it 
was like to be on a veteran heavy team. I mean, we get a chance to talk to, we got a chance to talk to, excuse me, uh, Bill Shoning, who is the play by play voice of the San Antonio Spurs. And it was a really great chat. We got a lot of insight onto, I guess, how DeJounte picked up being a leader and uh, what we can expect for him to kind of share with this Hawks group. So with that being said, Bill Shoning. Welcome, Bill. Thank you so much for joining us. Good to be with you, Lauren. So I would love to know what is your favorite moment or memory of watching DeJounte? I think the most important thing for me was watching the way he grew into a leader for this young ball club. Uh, because, you know, he was the young guy when he first came in, obviously. And then all these veteran players who were there started retiring, the big three, uh, you know, uh, Duncan, Ginobili, and Parker. So now uh, the mantle kind of got passed on. But guys like DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge were older players than DeJounte. So he still was not one of the leaders of the team. Uh, he was emerging as a, the, the starting point guard and did a lot of good things. Uh, but then he really kind of took the mantle as leader when those other guys left. And um, those young guys that are there now really credit DeJounte uh, for being a big brother, for helping them learn the ropes. And as you know, uh, the Spurs are in a youth movement now, Lauren. So we've got a bunch of teenagers and a bunch of young guys. And of course, the, the, the rookies don't know him because they're just coming in. Uh, but the young veterans that we have on this team that have been around for two or three years, uh, they all point to DeJounte as a leader and someone who took them uh, under his wing. I think what's amazing about DeJounte is that we can kind of see that leadership quality already taking shape with the Hawks. And so I guess when would you say that kind of started clicking for him when he was out there in San Antonio? You know, when he came back from his knee injury, you know, had a devastating ACL injury that cost him over a year. And the way he worked through that process and the way he came back, um, I think said a lot about his character and about how much he wanted to be. Uh, not only uh, a good player, but also a good teammate and a good person. I think he appreciated uh, what he had maybe a little bit more than he had going in. I think anytime any of us are put in a situation, Lauren, where something is taken away from us for a while, uh, we appreciate it when we get it back. And even though DeJounte had to work extremely hard to get back, he did. And uh, the thing I really like about him is that he's such a tough player. And, you know, he's very thin, uh, but, but he's not like, weak. He's, he's strong. He's wiry. He's He's got this toughness about him. And he's a very good rebounder. You don't see guys his size rebound the way he does. And he uses his slender uh, build to advantage. I mean, he, he kind of gets behind some guys that it's hard to box him out. You know, he's so kind of wiry. Uh, and uh, he's got uh, those long arms. He's got great anticipation as a rebounder. Uh, so uh, there's a lot of good things about his game that the Hawks fans will love. I think one thing that I appreciate about DeJounte as well is his speed. I, I mean, I don't think that's at all underrated when it comes to him. I mean, we got a chance to see him in Thursday's first preseason game uh, against the Bucks out there in Abu Dhabi. I mean, he had, what, 25 points, eight or nine rebounds, eight assists, or maybe it's eight rebounds, nine assists. I mean, really close to a triple-double. I'm sure he was doing a lot of that stuff out there in San Antonio. 
Oh, yeah, obviously. And uh, he was uh, a triple-double waiting to happen almost every night because he was averaging close to a triple-double. But uh, you mentioned the eight, nine rebounds that he had in the opener. Uh, That's going to be every night. He's going to average about eight rebounds a game and maybe eight or nine assists, depending on how they share the duties with Trey. I'm sure that uh, Trey will be set up by DeJounte a lot. So uh, that uh, I don't think will take a long time. Uh, to click offensively because as long as they're on the same page, uh, obviously they've got a good coach there. So uh, they, they they should probably be clicking offensively. Probably I'm not saying they're going to be a midseason form real early, uh, but there's enough veteran leadership there uh, that uh, you know they shouldn't skip a beat. Agreed, and I I think too one now that he's on the other side of, of being that veteran, that leader of the group. Do, what I mean, what do you remember about when San Antonio drafted him? Did you ever anticipate that he would be really willing to to slide into that mentor role or that leadership role? Well, it's very, very difficult to say that because at the time, the Spurs were a veteran ball club. They had all these veteran players. Kawhi Leonard was still there. So, uh, you know, DeJounte was the youngest guy around. And, he, I, you know, he'd come in from Seattle, University of Washington. He was a late first-round pick. I think he was the 29th pick in the draft. So, uh, and a lot of times with the Spurs, what they do, especially when they were a veteran ball club, not so much now when they're a very young ball club, uh, but they use their G League team. And DeJounte spent some time in Austin with the G League, just like just about every other rookie they've brought in. I think these new guys that the Spurs have now, uh, they're probably going to spend more time in San Antonio than Austin because it's a youth movement, so they might as well get the experience. But uh, not to say that some of them won't spend some time in Austin. But DeJounte did that uh, just like all the other young guys did. For sure. And I mean, when when you think about how well-rounded he is, I mean, how much of a how much did those veterans that, he kind of came in with help kind of shape him to be this well-rounded guy on the court. Well, I think immediately, you know, when you come to the Spurs organization and I've been part of this deal, even though I'm just the radio guy, but I've been traveling with them and, you know, I've seen all the games and, and uh, traveled to different places with them for many, many years now. It's my 22nd season. Uh, it's a very professional organization. So when Ajante came in, you know, he immediately had the structure around him with Greg Popovich, you know, and, and just the way the entire organization is set up. So, uh, as long as he took advantage of all the things that he had and he did, uh, you know, he was embraced by this town. And I think that, uh, he was a very popular player here. It just, unfortunately in the situation where, uh, it's a rebuilding mode, uh, and, um, you know, right now the Spurs aren't title contenders, but, uh, you know, I think this is going to be good for DeJounte and good for the Spurs because they're building for the future. For sure. I think it's going to be amazing for fans to get a chance to see DeJounte kind of start to really become a guy, not just on a team that has a lot of young pieces, but a team that, as you mentioned, is now going to be fighting for a title. So, I mean, why do you think that DeJounte will kind of be a guy that will help the Hawks take a a step forward in, in their hunt for the championship? Well, you know, I think he learned a lot about competitive fire from Manu Ginobili, you know, who uh, obviously was one of the veteran players. And um, I don't know how much, uh, uh, Lauren, you got a chance to watch Manu uh, play in his career. But, uh, you know, uh, watch some highlights of him sometime. He went 100 miles an hour all the time. Uh, and uh, he played with a great deal of competitive fire. And I think DeJounte picked that up from Manu. I'm, I'm sure he had it already, uh, but he learned about really how to play hard. And, and DeJounte leaves it out there all the time. You know, he competes 
really hard. And of course, last year, uh, the team was under 500, but DeJounte put up some great numbers, had some awesome ball games. Uh, he competed every night. And, uh, and he was also the leader for a young bunch of guys. And I think that that probably matures a guy just being, um, you know, put into that role where he's got to be the big brother all of a sudden when he was the little brother for so long. Uh, I think that that probably matured him and has probably put him in a situation where now with the Hawks, he can assume more of a leadership role without it being forced, because I think he's got some of that natural leadership skill and ability in him. Yeah. So, I mean, DeJounte averaged, what, 21.1 points a game last year, 8.3 bounds, 9.2 assists. I mean, one of the things I think that fans here at the Hawks are kind of a little bit nervous about is not that he won't be able to go at 100 miles an hour like Manu Ginobili, uh, but that he won't be able to quite knock down shots or or be that guy that's off the ball and, and can support Trey from outside of the arc, especially if Trey's the one that's going to be attacking the basket. So, I mean, as far as what you know, I mean, how much can DeJounte take a step forward as far as being a guy that could be a reliable three-point shooter? I mean, he only shot 32% last season. So is there any room for him to kind of, I guess, you know, maybe bump that number up to 35, maybe 36? I think if he gets it up there to 35, 36, teams have to respect that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that that's not a bad shooting percentage. And I think he has improved uh, as a three-point shooter. He certainly shoots it with confidence. I will say that about <laughs> him. Uh, you know, DeJounte's got a nice little move, though, and I've seen him do it many times. Yeah. Uh, I call it the Seattle raindrop, mm -hmm. where he'll fake a three, get inside the defense, and hit a little floater in the lane. So it's a little teardrop. Uh, and right. since he's from Seattle, uh, I call it the Seattle raindrop. So Steve <laughs> Holman can have that. Uh, I, Steve Holman, if you're listening, you can have my call. You can take it. Uh, uh, no, Steve, Steve's his own guy. He'll have his own call for DeJounte, I'm sure. Oh, 100%. And I think fans will continue to respect DeJounte's mid-range game. I think they really enjoyed seeing that in Thursday's game against the Bucks uh, out there in Abu Dhabi. So, Bill, you know, you've covered the NBA for quite some time. Um, I mean, what can fans look forward to when, you know, they're listening to the call and you're calling against the Hawks. I mean, you're oh, calling it well. Spurs and the Hawks. I mean, what can <laughs> they expect from you? Uh, yeah, I try to go to every game with a lot of enthusiasm. You know, uh, I had a chance to call some great teams, uh, four championship teams, and um, also a team that went uh, to the playoffs 22 consecutive years. I caught the tail end of that. I, I wasn't there for all 22 years, uh, but also 18 times in a row, they won at least 50 games. So, um, it's very easy to be enthusiastic when you got all that going on. Now we've got a young team and rebuilding, but I still have the same energy and enthusiasm. And uh, I really am looking forward to seeing these young guys grow up. Uh, because I'm getting a chance to know them a little bit. We're finally back to traveling after COVID. So I'm really looking forward to the season. So I'm still as, as enthusiastic as I was when I took this job 22 years ago. For sure. I mean, I think what's awesome, too, is you bring a lot of perspective as well. And I'm sure fans will be able to get a chance to to read that in your in your book that's out there now. Um, Stories, Sports and Songs, Tales and Tunes by a Play by Play Lifer. So, I mean, can you give us a little bit of a sneak peek about, you know, the stories that you'll be sharing? Yeah, you know, when COVID hit, I had no games to call. So I had time on my hands. 
And I appreciate the opportunity to talk about the book just for a second. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, I just started writing some of the stories of my life because I've had kind of a, a crazy life. You know, I've, I've always wanted to be a radio guy and, and I've been able to fulfill a lot of my dreams. It started out in inner city Philadelphia, where I'm from. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the hood, you know, and uh, but I was able to able to work my way up. I paid a lot of dues in the business, but I had fun along the way. Uh, I write songs. So a few of the songs that I've written are interspersed in the book. And uh, it's just been a fun ride. And then the, the catch on with the Spurs uh, back in 01, just before they started their real run, yeah. uh, you know, getting to call four NBA championships and the Hall of Fame careers of Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili yeah. and Tim Duncan uh, and Greg Popovich, whenever he goes in, of all, <laughs> obviously he's the all-time winningest coach, so he deserves to go in. So um, it, it's been a real fun run. So uh, there's a lot of stories about the Spurs, but also about my early years of uh, paying dues, mm-hmm. uh, large and small market radio back when I started in the late 70s, early 80s. You had to do a lot of different things. You didn't just do sports. You had to do news mm-hmm. or uh, do uh, commercials or go interview guys uh, that, at the school board meeting or whatever. So there was a lot involved. And uh, so th- there's a lot of stuff like that, just kind of personal stuff. But, but I try to have fun along the way. So there, there's some fun stories as well. And also covering small high schools and uh, mm-hmm. small colleges and long road trips in the car and, you know, things like that. So, um, like I said, a lot of fun and humorous moments as well. For sure. I mean, going a- back a little bit to some of the fun and humorous moments uh, from your time covering uh, DeJounte Murray before he, you know, was acquired by the Hawks. I mean, what, I guess, is your favorite or most fun memory that you might have of him? Well, you know, I think there was one night where um, he just – was all over the place. He had a triple double. I can't remember who the opponent was that night, Mm -hmm. but all I remember was that DeJounte really in that particular game was just everywhere. And if there was a loose rebound to be picked up, he picked it up. If there was a charge to be had, he took the charge. He just did all these things. And um, it was almost effortless, you know, and, and it wasn't, he works very, very hard. Uh, But uh, I think the way that sometimes he can, uh, take over a game in different ways, not just at the offensive end, uh, but like I said, taking charges, getting steals. He's very good with his long arms of getting into the passing lane mm-hmm. and disrupting an offense. So, um, yeah, he's a fun player to watch on both ends of the floor. Yeah, I think Hawks fans are going to have a lot of fun getting to watch him in action. I think a lot of people were very excited to see what he was able to do against the Bucks in in his first game as a Hawk. So, you know, I'm sure everyone is looking forward to seeing him face off against his old team. I'm sure you're looking forward to, you know, making the call with him uh, on an opposite or an opposing team, excuse me. Uh, so, you know, we're so grateful that we were able to have you on the Hawks report today to to chat about your memories about DeJounte and what fans should look forward to when they're watching him this coming season. So I'm, I'm super grateful that you were able to spend some time with us. Thanks for having me, Lauren. Appreciate it a great deal. All right. Thank you so much, Bill. Uh, We really appreciate your time. So, again, that was Bill Schoening, the play-by-play voice of the San Antonio Spurs. And, you know, now we get a chance to check in with fans and see what they want to know. So with that, Mr. Daniel Salerson, it's the mailbag time. It's mailbag time. I'm ready for it. And again, you can tweet at Lauren, at Williams Lauren L, for all your mailbag questions. And this one comes from Crimson Slims at Midrange Dre. He has two questions, two very good questions. So we'll start with the first one. 
Trey has looked engaged and acted defensively. He won't ever be a stopper still, but what's a realistic defensive comp for him? And I think we both agree that comps are not really the best thing as far as comparing players, but I guess what's realistic as far as his defensive impact this year for the Hawks? I think, again, like, I, I feel like the reason I'm not a huge fan of of coming up with a comp for Trey is just because I want to see Trey be Trey, and I'm sure Trey wants to see Trey be Trey. So I think with with him, the big thing is just continuing to be engaged. I think that we saw some really solid moments from him when he was guarding uh, Bucks guard Grayson Allen in that second game. I mean, he had a really nice block. There were a couple times it seemed like he was getting a little bit lost in that man on man to man defense, uh, trying kind of chasing uh, Grayson Allen around. But I, I do think that you can't put a premium on having a guy who continues to be engaged on the defensive end. I mean, I think it's still going to cause some disruption either way, whether that's chasing a guy off his spot, getting a block. I mean, it's not going to happen very often, of course, but it's it's still having somebody contest a shot. It's still better than nothing um, because you just, you never know where things are going to land. So I think if we can continue seeing Trey be extremely engaged, communicating with his teammates and just trying to be as disruptive as he can be, I think good things are going to happen. I mean, obviously he still has to work on making sure he's doing all of that without fouling, but I I still think it's better than nothing, to be honest. You just want to have a guy who's not going to be a defensive liability. And when a guy checks out, then they're definitely going to be a defensive liability. And speaking of disruption and defense, his second question, Clint and Onyeka are both really good defenders, but Clint is more of a paint defender, a Kongwu more of a one-versus-one or one-on-one disruptor. Given Trey's permanent difficulty keeping guys in front, would Clint's cleanup skills be a better fit defensively with Trey than a Kongwu? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, we saw how well Clint was able to go up against guys like Giannis Antetokounmpo and, and Brooke Lopez. So I, I think that they're the best pairing. I mean, honestly, Clint's veteran experience of being able to keep guys in front of him, uh, I think that's just kind of the best matchup that you would want for Trey Young if you're if you're trying to take some of the pressure off of a guy who is still trying to get the defensive side of their game uh, going. All right. This one is from at opinionated underscore MJ or Michael J. I've heard someone place the Hawks potentially as high as a four seed in the East. What's your take on that? The optimistic side of me would be like, heck yeah, let's, let's take it. But I, I think if we're thinking realistically, a four seed might be just a little bit high. I, I still stand by seeing them kind of either right at that six seed or right outside in in that play-in spot just because the East is just so, so competitive. And and if all teams are as healthy as they can be heading into the playoffs, it's just, it's tough because the Hawks still have a lot of ground to make up on the defensive end. And at some point, even though they fire on all cylinders on the offensive side of things, it if you can't match up with a team defensively well, I mean, you're going to get what happened in Miami again. So I think realistically, a six seed is the highest. I see them if they're if they're a playoff team, but I, I see them more in like the seven 
seven to eight range. Fair enough. This one is from the one Mon, and he asks, who has Corver been working with the most? I know you've been able to see Corver work with some players during the open portion of practice. Who, who has Corver really been focusing in on as far as uh, working to kind of help someone develop? Yeah, from what I've been able to see in the portions of practice that media that's open to media is he's kind of working with a lot of different people. Uh, the first time I actually saw him working with a player extensively, it was Trent Forrest, who is one of the Hawks' two-way guards. And we got a chance to see him start him really close to the rim, working on, you know, trying to get as much arc on his shot as possible. And after making several consecutive shots, he had Forrest kind of back up each time until he got out to the three-point line. And... I mean, that's kind of what you would expect from him. Um, I've gotten a chance to see him work with DeAndre Hunter. I saw him chatting with uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich a little bit. And I've seen him chatting with Clint Capella a couple of times working on free throws. So it seems like he's trying to chat with as many people as possible. And he's not really honing in on one specific person. But that's just from what I've been able to see so far. And this one's from at Frederick G. He is Frederick Gooden. Will the Atlanta Hawks move Bogdan when he is healthy? Yeah, I think we kind of touched on it a little bit at the beginning of the show. And maybe things have changed a little bit if they're thinking about bringing in Jay Crowder. But realistically, it was kind of hard for me to see why they would move on from Bogdan. Bogdan Bogdanovich if he's healthy because he's played such a key role in the Hawks' two postseason runs over the last couple of years. So uh, I feel like that's a lot of pressure to put on a guy like A.J. Griffin, who is a rookie. And yes, we know A.J. can shoot, but I mean, we haven't seen him do that in the regular season as well as with the load of an 82-game season. So it, it's it's really it's really hard for me to see that happening. All right, that is your mailbag for this week. Again, follow Lauren on Twitter at Williams Lauren L and be on the lookout for her mailbag question every week. And we will answer or she will answer your questions um, every time we record the show. So Lauren, I'll, I'll send it back to you. Yeah, I think. Daniel, you're a great question asker. I mean, who knows? Maybe if I'm I'm traveling a bunch. You might be running the show uh, if I have to miss something. So you might. We don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you'll do great. But, uh, you know, I, I'm again, I'm appreciative of all of you guys who tune in to listen every week. And I, I really ask you guys again, please don't forget to rate, review, follow, share and subscribe to the Hawks report. Um, you know, that's. That's what's going to help this show continue to grow. It helps me get better. And, you know, I hope that you guys will continue to stick with us through the remainder of the season. We're going to put out shows every Tuesday. And with that, I'm Lauren Williams. And thank you for listening to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, 
you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop.